2: Hello and welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. I'm your host, Martha Reddick, and this week we are going to be talking about how to talk to kids about race. And to do that, I have brought on a very special guest, Dr. Camp. Hello. Hi.
0: Hello. How are you? I'm well. I'm very
2: excited and glad to, to be here. I'm excited to do this with you. Yes, you. I had class with Dr. Camp, um... In the spring, and I said in the middle of class, <laughs> could we could we record this episode together? Um, and but we will wait until I'm out of class. Yes, <laughs> yes. Until it's summertime, which we've hit now, which we is have. wonderful. And. Yeah. Chicago weather is maybe catching up? Tonight. I think so. I think we're getting there, slowly but surely. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, wonderful. Well, before we get into the interview portion, mm-hmm. let's hear a little bit about your background. Okay.
0: Yes. So, I am new to Chicago by way of Charlotte, North Carolina. I earned my PhD at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. Um, and prior to that, I was a school counselor for yeah. three years in a high school in Charlottesville, Virginia.
2: Okay. Yes.
0: So I am originally from Virginia. I claim Virginia. Um, My father was in the Coast Guard, but we essentially landed in Stafford, which is northern Virginia. And so that is home to me. So uh, a little bit of movement, but my passion truly is children and youth and school counseling, as well as uh, multicultural counseling. And yeah, so I I think no better topic than this one. Yes. To really be discussing, It, it merges many of my passions so again I'm glad to be here.
2: Yeah and it merges my passions too um, and so I'm I'm really excited to mm-hmm. talk about this with you That's so cool. let's let's dive in. Yes let's. Um, so why is it important to discuss race and racism with kids? Um, yeah. Yes so
0: I think given how Diverse, our our world is becoming, right? We're becoming more black and brown in this world. I think it is important to discuss race and racism because it impacts everyone, Mm -hmm. right? So, regardless of the ethnicity or race of the child with whom you're working, I think that these conversations need to be had. Um, And I would also say it can be learning and hearing about racism. May not happen in the home, but it will definitely right. happen in schools, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the earlier and the sooner that we can start to have these honest or what I would like to call critical conversations, the better. Um, and I would also say, of course, it's the family's decision, right. right? As to whether or not they want to discuss race and racism, choosing not to discuss it does not negate the reality that, again, race and racism are important, right? right. And they do impact and influence children in one way or another, so avoiding or limiting these discussions related to race, I think, could lead to children automatically constructing some inaccurate yes. assumptions, maybe some stereotypes that could obviously be potentially harmful or hurtful. Uh, so again, it's important to really model and discuss, honestly, the, the race and racism with children.
2: Right. And some families don't have a choice. Exactly. About discussing that. Absolutely. And some do have the choice, absolutely. and so looking at that of, um, for, if you are in a family mm-hmm. that has the privilege yes. of not discussing this topic, yes. looking at why and thinking about that absolutely. before you decide if you're going to discuss it or not. Exactly. And yeah, I, exactly yeah, and it,
0: it does come up. It, it comes up all the does. time. It absolutely does. And children are so... They're so honest, right? And and the, many of the questions that they ask is not asked with malicious intent. Mm-hmm. They truly are just naturally inquisitive, mm-hmm. right? And so I think even if those families or certain families choose not to openly discuss race and racism, eventually they may need to. Right. Right? Um, right. An opportunity may present itself or a circumstance may present itself. Um, and I also want to share a quick story. So... I recall maybe three or four years ago now uh, being in Gaffney. So my parents are are from a small town in South Carolina, Gaffney and Blacksburg. And there is this snow cone place that I absolutely loved. Mm -hmm. Every summer I would spend the summers with my grandparents and and I would make it a point, right, to big and go to this snow cone place. So I went, I was by myself, and there was a little boy if I had to guess I would say he was maybe five or six mm-hmm. and he comes in the store he has two or three dollars in his hand and he's super excited so me being the wonderful person that I am <laughs> I allowed him to go in front of me nice. he then proceeded to look at me and he looked outside and he looked at me again and I just said hi how are you what kind of snow cone are you going to get and so we had this mini conversation And then he looks outside again and he looks at me and he says, my grandmother is outside. And I kind of peeked, leaned forward a little bit, and he pointed to his grandmother who was Caucasian and she was sitting in her car. And this little boy was visibly uh, biracial Mm -hmm. or maybe even multiracial. Um, And so he looks at me, he looks at my arm. Again, this is summer. So he sees my arm is a different color than Mm -hmm. his, right? So he looks at my arm, he looks at his arm. And then he says, my brother is your color, right? Mm-hmm. So he, in that moment, it was obvious that he was processing. He is trying to make sense, right, of his right. world or construct meaning based on the ethnicity or color, if you will, of his grandmother. He sees me, he sees his brother who is of my complexion, and then he's looking at himself. So again, he is trying to fit and in, and. In, makes sense of his world and who he is and how he fits into this world so I think that is just a prime example again of how important it is right mm-hmm. to foster an environment where these conversations can be had
2: yeah mm-hmm. and an example so in preparing for this interview I listened to um, the life kit series on NPR okay. and they have an episode of how to talk to children about race mm-hmm. and I listened to that and um, In that, they told the story about students, and a couple different stories actually, Mm -hmm. about students taking standardized tests. And you have to check a box. Yes, yes. And you can only check one box. Mm -hmm. And so they told stories on this podcast about children who fit more than one box. Absolutely. absolutely. And so even going into a test, not like with that on your brain. And that yes. has nothing to do with your academic at all, ability, at all. Exactly. but it rattles you mm-hmm. before you take a test. Mm-hmm. And so in talking about these issues before they sit down for yes. that test, you can help prevent. Exactly. <laughs> and then also allow children to check off more than one person. Exactly. And to have a conversation
0: about what that looks like. Um, um Hopefully eventually we'll get to a place where there will be changes or adaptations right. made so that that children and youth don't feel especially those of uh, by um, Racial and multiracial ethnicities don't feel Compelled or forced if you will to choose just one right right because that does impact their identity if they're Questioning and looking at me and looking at grandma right to mm-hmm. my example It is obvious that they don't fit either one right Right, and so how, how fair and, and equitable is that for them if they're unable to really self-identify?
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and what are we getting out of forcing them yes. to check that box? Is yes. it worth their struggle with identity exactly. in the third grade, yes. you know? yes. yes. Um, so just that was something that came up for me mm-hmm. as I was prepping for this interview, because I tutor, and I, okay. I was... And I tutor a lot of like test taking skills, yes, and yes. I, I had never even thought about that mm-hmm. of going into the test rattled by, by which box I will check. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> which absolutely. yes. So there are a lot of adults that are uncomfortable discussing race, yes. And kids have such a good sense; <laughs> they absolutely do. <laughs> For when we are uncomfortable, they and do. it. It makes them feel uneasy Mm -hmm. I mean obviously it does does. so how can an adult a nanny or a parent or any caregiver learn more and become more comfortable Mm -hmm. with talking about race and racism in our country in our world
0: that's a great question and I want to first say I appreciate you acknowledging how children do pick up on those little nuances or Mm -hmm. just our subtle behaviors I think children are far more perceptive than we give them credit for, mm-hmm. and I think we need to begin doing that. But I would say, to answer your question, to learn more and become even more comfortable about discussing this topic, adults have to first be introspective,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? So we have to really reflect and even identify what exactly about race and racism and conversations related to that make us uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Right? So it could yeah. be personal experiences, it could be uh, negative experiences, or maybe even a situation wherein families were not openly discussing this topic right. themselves. And so because of that, they now are uncomfortable having those conversations, which are necessary, but they're uncomfortable having those conversations with their children. So I think first being introspective would be beneficial, And then secondly, I would say exposing oneself to other cultures, Mm -hmm. right? So even here in Chicago, it is very diverse. Mm -hmm. The city is rich in culture. And so for families who are here in Chicago or surrounding areas, it's helpful to venture outside of your comfort zone. Mm Right. Right. It's intimidating. It, of course, is uncomfortable, but it goes a long way. And then you doing so and exposing your children to experiences outside of what you're naturally used to, um, that can really teach them to see and allow them to see individuals in other realms of habitation, right? Right. And their more, more level of comfort. So I think there are various ways adults can do that. So sending multicultural events in the community, trying different ethnic restaurants, which here in Chicago, there are so many of them, Mm -hmm. right? And of course, visiting many of the museums that are also here. So again, just venturing outside of what we are accustomed to or used to and comfortable in, and just expanding the knowledge of racial differences.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. I also, would add your library as a resource. Absolutely, yes. So if you are living in a place that isn't um, as accessible to other cultures as Chicago is, um, your library is a great resource. And librarians, I... I have found that some people are scared of librarians, mm-hmm. and I would encourage you to <laughs> not be, because they're wonderful. They're awesome. They and are they awesome. love helping. They absolutely do. And so if you went to your librarian and asked, yes. you know, I I'm, I'm, want to learn more. Absolutely. What books can I read? Yes. Um, they'll help you find it. And yes. then um, also, when you're on vacation, yes. if you are in a place that is not as culturally diverse, seek out... The culture of the place that you're absolutely. going yes. but then also if you're coming to some place like Chicago you know the Chicago Museum of Science and Industry is wonderful but there's also the Museum of Mexican Art exactly. and you know there's so many different so think about that when you're going on vacation I agree I those. absolutely
0: agree I absolutely agree and I think when going on vacation for those families who are fortunate enough to do so it is easy to go and stay even mm-hmm. out, you know, on vacation to stay within what you're most comfortable with, right? So it, it is it is important to again push yourself and venture out to the, the more culturally diverse areas of wherever it is that they're vacationing.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because yes. yeah, you're already outside of your comfort zone. Exactly. Completely. Why not? <laughs> yes. Why not? Venture out. <laughs> um, okay. So I and I do think that before you have conversations with children, it yes. is important to do that introspection. Absolutely. Um, so I encourage anyone listening to start that journey for yourself. Yes. Um, and it is a journey. There's no finish line. Absolutely. <laughs> I was about to say this is a, a lifelong journey,
0: right? Very fluid. So, and patience, being patient with yourself in the process. Yes. Right? That is, that is huge and, and very important to just be patient, but to sit in it and say, okay, why does this make me uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. right? My child has come to me and asked me X, Y, or Z. Why is this coming up for? What is it that is coming up for me? And just sit in it. It's uncomfortable, but to acknowledge that and then work through and process that, that will allow you to have more of those critical conversations
2: as I alluded to earlier. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, So then once you've done that, how can you translate that to be able to talk with kids about it because they're you know developmentally at different places absolutely yes depending on their age (laughs) exactly and so i actually
0: would say that so depending on the age of the child that would determine the approach or the approach that is maybe best so i would elaborate and say in addition to going to a library and finding out books that represent cultural diversity even educational videos, mm. right? So they are children who learn in different ways. So there may be more of the tangible visuals via book, but also educational videos. Um, I think that would be helpful. And, of course, also engaging children in events, again, that are inclusive. Right. Right. So they can see it in a book, but they can also experience it firsthand in person. Yeah. Right? So I think that is beneficial also. And I think, too including toys so right toys Mm -hmm. I'm a play therapist I would like to say by training and we always say that toys are children's words and play is their language yeah right so if we can give them words uh, via toys that represent diversity that would also be helpful Mm -hmm. so you could have different sizes in terms of animals you can have different shades of a doll family all of those things can help to facilitate Conversations and and generate questions from the children, right. right? In terms of differences, so I think that's another way to translate all of that that is in a way that that is appropriate for children.
2: Yes, and just uh, so the there's an episode of Chronicles of Narnia that mm-hmm. if you haven't heard it yet and you're intrigued by this episode, I would suggest which is the power of play. Yes, um, yes. And so just and that looks at what children are hearing in the news and Absolutely. how it will affect and come out in their, in play. their play. Absolutely. So we don't, we're don't. we not necessarily going to go down that yes. tangent, so <laughs> I would love to with you, Dr. Kim. <laughs> but then someday I hope to have that conversation. Absolutely, we but can. But if you are um, mm-hmm. listening and you're like, oh, that I I like that concept, mm-hmm. I want to know more, mm-hmm. The Power of Play is a great episode to listen to. That's wonderful. Um, so is it better for an adult to initiate this conversation mm-hmm. or is it better for the adult to wait until the child starts that's asking? A, that's a great question. So
0: I it could go either way, right? So it could definitely go either way. I will say though that research has shown that children start to notice differences in skin color or skin tone as early as six months. Yeah. Right? Wow. So I think knowing that alone, mm-hmm. For me personally, I think the sooner conversations can take place regarding race, the better. Right. Simply because, again, as early as six months, children start to really recognize those differences. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, depending on the age of the child, again, questions will arise. So it's important that the adult be comfortable and ready to respond to these questions. So, again, fostering a space in an overall relationship wherein children feel comfortable coming to you. Right. right. And asking questions is important. And I think if their efforts to initiate these conversations or to ask these questions and be just the naturally inquisitive beings <laughs> that they are, then they will likely stop asking. Right. right. They will feel like, okay, maybe my questions related to this are bad. Right. They shouldn't be asked. Um and with that, they can internalize a lot of those things, mm-hmm. right? And, and feel, again, as, as if questions related to race are bad, when indeed they should be asked. Mm-hmm. Because, again, our world is changing. So I think it's important to have these candid conversations. And the sooner, the better.
2: Right, right. And and also, yeah, I think just getting the ball rolling with different types of toys. And yes. when you are checking books out of the library, Looking for diversity in what you're in the stories that yes. you all are sharing together. I'm, I come from a theater background. I'm a huge believer in the power of storytelling yes. and, and how impactful that can be. Absolutely. And so, finding ways to, to, get out in front of stereotypes. Yes. Of yes. Princesses don't have to look like Disney. Exactly. You know, like yes. the original Disney. Exactly. They're doing slightly better now, but um, <laughs> thankfully, right? <laughs> thankfully. Yes. But yeah, just being mindful as you're bringing stories and toys and news and what you're consuming into yes. your home because exactly. they pay attention. They
0: absolutely do. And I think down to even what magazines mm-hmm. or what have you, right? If, mm-hmm. if there are magazines in the home, are they diverse? Right. right? Do they represent different ethnic and cultural backgrounds, or is it all just one race that mm-hmm. these children are seeing? And just simply providing all of those things that you just mentioned, that opens the door for right. conversations. It says, okay, this is a safe space, mm-hmm. right? This is a safe space to ask questions that
2: are important to be asked. Right. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when kids are asking questions yes, and they have no filter, None. <laughs> um, and they can say some things that are potentially hurtful because they don't know yes. the history and the weight of of what they are asking. Yes. Um. So how can we teach our our children that we are taking care of to be respectfully curious? Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. I like that respectfully curious. I again believe I mentioned earlier in our conversation that children are just naturally inquisitive Mm -hmm. right so while they often have no filter in asking the questions (laughs) that they ask and saying the things that they say we may perceive it to be hurtful while from the child it's not meant or intended to be malicious right right they ask just on a whim Mm -hmm. Um, but there's sincerity in that question so I think Truly, as adults, I think sometimes we allow our own stuff to get in the Mm -hmm. way, right? So when a child asks a question, for us, because we're uncomfortable, we may get offended or assume that someone else may get offended, right? right? So I think our own stuff leads to overreactions and misinterpretations, yes, right? So that, again, when I mentioned earlier that moment of being introspective and sitting in that Mm -hmm. discomfort... I think that can help to eliminate some of the overreactions and misinterpretations that we have, right? Right, when children ask questions. But I I too think that should the child ask a question that is insensitive, those moments are teachable moments, right? Right? So helping a child or allowing a child to become more aware of positive words versus negative words mm-hmm. right or a positive way to ask a question versus a negative way to ask a question and again just simply having a conversation what right what made you ask that question right. right yeah where did you see this where did you see that where did you hear this where did you hear that um and then just having that honest conversation i think that can help foster more
2: of a respectful curiosity if yes. you will right. yes and i I want to note that when you were asking those questions, your voice was light and open. Absolutely, yes. Um, and so I think when we're talking about these things, really paying attention to our own tone. Yes, that is true. Because there's a big difference between where did you hear that and where did you hear that? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so, and kids pick up on those yes. tiny differences. And I know sometimes when we are feeling uncomfortable and our own. Um, Brains are kind of flared up that we don't have space to pay attention for that. that is true. So I would encourage you uh, as a nanny, which we do on a lot of episodes, um, <laughs> to take if, – if you are feeling um, overwhelmed yes. and flooded, to take a moment and say to the child, you know what, I would love to talk to you about this, but I need a second to think or – um I've talked a lot about how the kids that I nanny mm-hmm. um, love to ask questions when I'm driving and when I'm driving with children in the backseat in Chicago. I'm so focused. I'm oh, so focused. As should be. <laughs> and so yes. one of my strategies is you can ask three questions okay. the entire car ride. Because <laughs> when we're going down to like museum campus or something like that, it's there's a lot of traffic. Absolutely. And so yes. I'll that's one of my strategies. And then another is I would love to answer this, but I I want to be able to do it when I can give you my full attention. That's wonderful, yes. Um, and so I think just allowing, knowing that you don't have to answer it yes, right in that I second. Love that. that is so true. Um, whether it be that you're in the middle of an activity that mm-hmm. you can't give it your undivided attention, right. or that you are feeling overwhelmed and want to... chance to think about it exactly and that
0: is completely completely okay I I completely agree with that I think that's a a great approach
2: yeah and also sometimes because we are nannies and we are um, working for families and working with a family's culture yes um, we also want to check in with the parents because you don't know that is true what conversations are taking place
0: Mm -hmm. that is true
2: that and is true. And respecting those boundaries yes. is extremely important. It really is. Yes. And so just also I would encourage you to potentially pause mm-hmm. and talk to the parents if you're unsure rather than blazing forward. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree. I agree. That's a good suggestion. Um, a great suggestion. Yeah. So um, – Yeah, so, and we talked about taking that pause, but what if a kid asks you a question that you don't know the answer to? Oh.
0: Tricky, tricky, (laughs) tricky. Because
2: you know what? That will
0: happen. Right. And I have just come to learn that honesty is more important than anything else, Mm -hmm. in, in my opinion, especially when working with children and just establishing and maintaining that trust with them. So if you are asked a question that you don't know the answer to, I personally, I would suggest... Just being honest. Right. And saying that very thing. You know what? That is a great question. That is a great question. And Miss Amy doesn't know the answer to that. (laughs) Right? And just owning that. Just accepting the fact that I don't know. Right? And I don't want to conjure up this lie or Mm -hmm. fabricate something and tell the child. So I think it's, it's absolutely okay to just say... That's a great question, and I actually don't know the answer. And then I would take it a step further and say, I can either find out and let you know, or we can find out the answer together.
2: Mm,
0: yes. Right? And make that a, a joint effort and opportunity to learn something together. Right. Right? I think as adults, we it's hard for us to accept the fact that we don't know everything. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Truly, it, it can be a challenge for us to, to own up to, to something that we do not know. But for children... It's important to just state that and say, I do not know. And you can learn together
2: mm-hmm. um, and explore together. I just think that's important. Yeah, and modeling how to learn something. Absolutely, yes. I I mentioned I tutor children, and a lot of what I do is teaching them mm-hmm. how to read an article yes. and learn from it. Yes. And I do that through modeling of when I looked at the title, this yes. is what I thought the article, you It'll know, predicted, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. things like that. And so talking through the learning yes. process Absolutely. is so important. It is extremely important. It is extremely important. And I
0: think for a child, too, for you to just own it and, and be honest and say, I don't know, later on down the road, they can do the same thing. Right. And there's no guilt or shame behind not knowing everything. Right. Right? So it, it is all just teachable, so many teachable moments.
2: Yeah, and I also uh, think that it's important that if you do think that you know. Right. And then you find out <laughs> that you you were incorrect about even a, a slight part of it. It could be small, exactly, yeah, yes. To go back and say, you know what? I thought that this was true and yes, it's not exactly, exactly and I was looking it up because you asked me exactly and I learned this my there's a story my mom is a second grade teacher mm-hmm. and uh, she used to oh she was reading Sleepy Hollow oh, to yes. her kids and in it they talk about the Hessians mm-hmm. and um, one of the boys in her class was like, yes, those were German soldiers that came over. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, I think it was anyone from Europe. <laughs> and he was like, no, it was the German soldiers. And uh, and she came home and looked mm-hmm. it up Research. and went back in and was like, you know what? <laughs> I was wrong. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And you were right. Yes. So thank you yes. for that. and modeling
0: that absolutely it goes a long way and life is fine right Right? life is fine my mom did
2: not lose any right clout
0: in her classroom (laughs) because she's still effective (laughs) and still molding and shaping the lives of our future but again I just think that is so important and again we can we as adults can get in our own way yeah right so again just being honest and and owning I'm not sure I can find
2: out that goes a long way right Mm -hmm. so we've talked a lot about talking Yes. But kids are much more influenced by our actions Absolutely. than our words. Um, so what are some ways that adults can model being more inclusive? Yes. So the first thing that comes
0: to mind to, to me or for me is that notion of practicing what you preach. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so often we, we say things, but do our actions truly Align with what we're saying So I think if you are encouraging And discussing inclusivity in the home Really reflecting on whether your actions Actually model that mm-hmm. So I would say Ways in which an adult Or even a nanny Can model these behaviors Would just be to Think about the ways in which They're interacting with And responding to others Especially individuals who look different from, from right. them so, I would say places that they frequent and social interactions or social circles, even that they maintain, is important. So, for example, if a child attends a school that maybe is not diverse, mm-hmm. so the only other teachers and, and peers that they're seeing look like them, considering involving or engaging those children in activities outside of school, right. beyond school, that is inclusive of others or, or represents diversity in a greater way so I would say even in the neighborhood religious or spiritual events and community events Mm -hmm. right so really again just exposing them to individuals that look different from them Um, I would also say that subtle messages go a long way Uh as well right so nonverbal communication but just a, a simple action or behavior So given all that is happening in our society, within the news and the media, I think parents' responses to that and conversations surrounding those topics can also be impressionable for children, right? So just the simple way in which we respond, again, goes an extremely long way. And something as simple as being in the grocery store or walking down the street, you know, do you cross the street? when you are approaching someone that looks different from you. Right. right. That is a very subtle yet powerful message that you're conveying to a child. So, again, just being mindful of those those minor yet powerful nuances in, in the way in which you behave goes a long way.
2: Right. And also I think um, playground culture absolutely is yes. such a rich place to look at this. Yes, it is. That is true. Um, so how are you responding to other nannies if – If somebody drops something, yes, you know, picking it up and and talking and starting that interaction. Or if both kids are playing, because I'm I'm working with um, pre-verbal kids right now, so they're toddlers. Okay. So, but... That's fine. So that means that I'm interacting with other nannies more often because I'm speaking on behalf of the children Uh that uh I'm in charge of. And so just... Thinking about how you're talking to exactly. other humans and other kids and yes. all of that in um, the playground, I think is it, um, really one of the best places. It to absolutely, look at that. Is. I have
0: to agree with you on that. <laughs> and even though you're working with pre-verbal children or toddlers, they still they. They are children are so wise <laughs> I, I, I can't say that enough and so even though they may not have the language to articulate what they're thinking how they're feeling or what they're seeing they think they see and they feel yes right and so I'm, I'm glad to know that you're self-aware of the way in which you're interacting with others because they, they
2: notice, they pick up on those, mm-hmm. those subtle messages they really do yes um so For school age children, Mm -hmm. um, they they talk to other kids. Yes, part of being a a school age child, (laughs) Um, and sometimes they can get information that's wrong Mm -hmm. or hurtful. Or um, yeah, those those hurtful words can be flung without, with or without understanding. Yes. The the maliciousness behind them Mm -hmm. um so how can we help kids who may be dealing with racism and or bullying at school that's a good question (laughs) it's a big
0: question it's a big question somewhat loaded even. it's just one question but there's so much there so unfortunately bullying and and even racism is more overt Mm-hmm. now right there's some significant impacts behind both of those and so i think this really all goes back to the question earlier about the importance of discussing race and racism mm-hmm. right and so for me i think earlier exposure to and conversations about ethnic and and racial diversity is extremely important or even critical i'll say and so i think as those conversations are taking place Adults should really encourage children to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Right? Provide a safe space but encourage children to ask questions because that can help to foster a level of comfort. Right, right? And then beyond that, I think it can help to foster a level of self-esteem and self-confidence, mm-hmm. not only within self but also in looking at and interaction interacting, excuse me, with children who look different from themselves. Right, right? And I I think Even in you asking that question, it makes me think about my personal experience growing Mm up. And my father was in the Coast Guard. We lived, I personally lived the majority of my life in Stafford. So Mm -hmm. when we first moved there, it was not as diverse as it is now. So a lot of military families have begun to move there now. But in the majority of my upbringing and in class and school, I was one of very few, like a handful of minority children Mm -hmm. right and so I think for me my parents really through conversation through books really as early Mm -hmm. as I can remember there were books with little brown girls there were books with other ethnicities there were baby dolls primarily brown girls so so that for me helped again foster this level of self-confidence and self-esteem in who I am right right and so while I'm in a class if not the only, you know, (laughs) African-American child, I was one of a handful of of other minorities. But that was okay, right? right? Because I knew who I was. Mm -hmm. I was able to ask questions. Um, There were comments, of course, that were made that made me a little confused or or think and question, right? But I would take that home because Mm -hmm. the environment was... Such that I was able to and that I was Encouraged to come home and ask questions Mm -hmm. Right and I think that again Is extremely important and beyond That my parents put me Or engaged me in extracurricular Activities where there was diversity Right Mm -hmm. there was diversity My birthday parties there was diversity so Mm -hmm. they Ensured that there Was diversity around me and I think that that Again is very important That we do that and So ultimately These conversations I think can help counteract hopefully the impact of racism and bullying because yes. the openness is there, the encouragement is there, hopefully the self-esteem, self-confidence is being fostered through exposure to differences. right We're all different in some way right mm-hmm. or another. And so I think to not only acknowledge that but accept that and celebrate differences yeah can can help again just counteract some of those. Um, effects of the, the racism and bullying.
2: Yes. And I think um, kids have a strong sense of fairness. Yes. That's very, very important yes. to them. Absolutely. So when talking about this and, and, ta- and breaking it down for them, using that mm-hmm. to your advantage mm-hmm. that they already have this sense of, of what is fair yes. and what is not fair and exactly. saying this is not fair exactly. and being honest yes mm-hmm. that honesty component yeah absolutely and um, I also think that the conflict resolution episode mm-hmm. that we've done is a good one to re-listen to if this is something that's in you, your world right now mm-hmm. which it's in all of our worlds right now absolutely. really so talking through how to resolve conflict yes. um, can also help get out in front of some of these things. I agree.
0: And I think, too, even helping children acknowledge who additional resources or support systems, I'll say, who additional resources or, excuse me, support systems are is also important, Mm -hmm. right? So they have you. They have hopefully their families. But beyond that or outside of that, who else in the school or who else in the community do they have? The support of right and, and allowing them to acknowledge that I think yeah it's just it's so much and, and my heart just kind of aches for children these days because there there's a lot that they really do have to work through, process, deal with, cope with, manage. It's just a lot. It so is. the support definitely um, comes into play or is is beneficial.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So kind of a blessing of of having a nanny in your family, is that nannies are sometimes different races or cultures than the family that they're nannying for. Mm -hmm. Um, So how can a nanny talk about those differences with their nanny kids? That's good. Um, First and
0: foremost, just being honest. Mm -hmm. right? Just being honest. And I think for many children and, and families, the nanny may be especially if they're of a different race, that may be the first exposure or firsthand experience that a child has had with someone who looks different from them. Right. Right. And I think that's great that there's Mm -hmm. so many teachable moments even within that. Mm -hmm. So I think that discussing race is important. So, again, reading books, visiting the local library, watching educational videos, playing with the child or allowing them to play – Um, and entering into that world, and even facilitating crafts. So I think crafts that represent cultural diversity, Mm -hmm. it may require some research, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right, on the the nanny's end, but I think even integrating hands-on crafts and things would would be helpful.
2: Yes, I -hmm. completely agree. So if a nanny experiences racism while on duty, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: what can the nanny family... Do to help mm-hmm. with that, um, I I just I can't imagine yes. how hurtful and and uh, hard that would be.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's important for the nanny to disclose that information and really just share their experience. Yeah, right. To share that with the family, to have that open, honest conversation, and. I also think that while there are many individuals who are self-aware of their biases Mm -hmm. and their prejudices there are others who truly are unaware right they don't have that level of self-awareness no one has or maybe a certain experience has not allowed them to confront those prejudices and those biases Mm -hmm. so I think a nanny should definitely disclose what their experience was whether it be in the home Or even outside of right right on duty outside of so just having those conversations but I will say it is important to speak up Mm -hmm. and and to have that conversation because if not a nanny could personalize that experience Mm -hmm. right and then that can begin to interfere or affect their ability to fulfill their duties and, and perform their job right and so
2: I think it's important again just to have a con- a candid conversation. Yeah, and I, as you were saying that, I was also thinking, if you don't disclose, mm-hmm. the kids oh, will dear. probably say something, mm-hmm. and it might it might be more complicated. Yes, the parents might not be able to piece together what, what exactly yeah, really happened or. Um, or anything like that so Mm -hmm. I think yeah being open about it is one of the best ways to make sure that confusion and miscommunications don't happen around this
0: and what a powerful moment I so though uncomfortable and unfortunate it can again be a powerful and
2: teachable moment for the family yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and then what about if a nanny is taking care of kids that experience racism um, while the nanny is on duty.
0: Yes. So again, um, this all goes back to conversation. So I think it would be helpful to ask the child, what happened? Mm-hmm. Right? What happened? How did that make you feel?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think as adults, it, it is important for children to be able to articulate their feelings. Right. That is not something that should be, they should be shunned away from doing. They should absolutely know how they feel and what, that does to them and what, and what that means so I think helping process with them through that experience is helpful um yeah it just all goes back to communication
2: yeah and I think that um the reflective listening that mm-hmm. we've talked about a lot on the podcast mm-hmm. is really good tool for yes. that moment of Absolutely. I hear that you felt really hurt yes by that and things like that yes. so that you're not Putting your stuff in it, on, yes. yeah, in it or on it. That's very good. Um, I think that's really important. That's good. Um, so if a nanny is listening or a family yes. is listening to this and wants to know more, what are we've mentioned some some resources? But what yes. are some some
0: resources that they
2: can learn more?
0: So the primary resource I would say, or at least a good start, would definitely be as we've mentioned. I think throughout this entire podcast. Would be the library. Yes. Right? It's summertime. (laughs) The children are out of school. So what better place to really start? Because even within that resource, you can find out about other opportunities within the community. Right. right? So perhaps the library not only has books and educational videos, but also activities, Mm hands-on crafts and things of that nature. So I would suggest starting there. And also a, a general search in terms of text. Mm-hmm. Right? textbooks or, or books that really address this really address racism, right? Right? Prejudices, biases, and then professional development. Mm-hmm. because we are lifelong learners and we are forever learning about ourselves as we grow and mature, I think it's important just to really tap into professional development opportunities. Yes. and trainings and things of that nature.
2: Yes, which International Nanny Training Day, Mm -hmm. um, if your International Nanny Training Days have not had diversity Mm -hmm. in the past, I think this is a really great call to action to work on changing that. Yes, yes. and or uh, Nanny Palooza <laughs> is a wonderful resource. Um, Sounds and, like it. Yeah, and the International Nanny Association mm-hmm. all ho- offer really good um, professional development. So if you're hearing that and you're like, but wait, <laughs> mm-hmm. where do nannies have professional development? There are a lot of places. Yes. But, that we can, we can go um, that are geared specifically towards nannies. And then also, there's all those parenting yes. resources. So, as nannies, we can always kind of dig into those as well. Absolutely. Um, and I would encourage anyone who's listened to this to also listen to NPR's um, Life Kit How to Talk to Kids About Race. I love that. They yes. talk about um, some different things than we've discussed here. Um, and it's another great resource. Uh, and I'll have
0: to listen to that as well. I have not heard that yet.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a good one. And they have uh, how to talk to kids about a lot of different things, yes. um, which great. is great because these things can be, they can feel
0: overwhelming they and tricky. They can, they can, they can. But I, I think, again, communication, the introspective piece that we discussed earlier, so just knowing yourself and why this topic may yeah. Ruffle some feathers or make you feel uncomfortable, and, and really just processing through that. But yeah. our world is changing, and we, and we should be able to change with it and become more inclusive and, and open to diversity.
2: Yeah. And I think um, even during your off hours, mm-hmm. how you explore the world around you yes. Um, yes. makes a big difference. So if you find yourself consistently surrounded by people that look like you, mm-hmm. Ask yourself why, and and I I challenge and encourage you to to change that if that is something that you find um, to seek out opportunities yes. to learn. Absolutely, because as nannies, that's I I I think a lot of nannies, the majority of nannies, are curious by nature Absolutely. as well because that's that. what we foster yes, in that. children. So so use that, yes.
0: <laughs> and I will say too, and you don't have to do it by yourself. Yes right you yeah. don't have to this is a journey that you don't have to approach alone so bring another friend take another friend with you go visit a museum that you haven't been to or go walk around a neighborhood that you haven't ventured out to just yet right, right. you don't have to go in alone right
2: yeah get your nanny squad
0: yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes I love it well is there anything else I do want to share something Yes. um
0: in my play therapy training at UNCC, I worked with this little boy. How old was he? Six, I believe, mm-hmm. at the time. And I remember during one of our play sessions. He was playing, 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 and he just randomly said, um, do you like me?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I responded, and I said, oh, you're wondering if I like you. I said, you really enjoy your special time here with me, mm-hmm. right? And so he continued to play, play, play. And then he said, he looked at me, and this was a Hispanic little boy, Mm -hmm. and he looked at me and he said, I have a friend at school who has brown skin like you. You have brown skin. He said, now I have two friends with brown skin. And that just warmed my heart. So, again, just another example of the processing. Yeah. So if it starts as early as six months, Children at six years old, right, are definitely again trying to make sense of their
2: world. Right, so, right, yeah. And for our ending story, I also have a story that is a child trying to figure out how uh, they fit in their world. And I recorded this about a year and a half ago at Nanny Palooza. Patsy and Dahl sat down with me and told me the story and I, um, I saved it and, uh, waited until I had the perfect episode. And I, I really think this is it. Uh, so here is the story. Um, so I worked with the family,
1: uh, many years ago and the youngest boy and I, we, we were, we were kind of close. And one day he he said to me, um, Patsy, can I lick you? <laughs> I'm like, why do you want to lick me? <laughs> and he says, I think you taste like chocolate. And I said, I said, can I lick you? <laughs> and he says, Why do you want to lick me? I said, because I think you taste like vanilla. So we licked. He licked me. And he said, You don't taste like chocolate. <laughs> and I licked him and I said, You don't taste like vanilla. I said, now lick yourself. And
2: he said, we taste the same oh my goodness what a beautiful beautiful moment
1: and it just it just warm it just warmed my heart you know uh, but you know then when mom came home and you know he said mom mom patty doesn't taste like chocolate she tastes just like me <laughs> and, and uh, he was so excited and, and i was so excited for him and mom just totally took it the wrong way right she, became very apologetic and she goes you know don't say things like that that's not right for you to say things like that and you know patsy i'm so sorry i'm like no it's okay it's okay (laughs) to me that was like a teaching moment for him and also for me too yes because I, i could maybe i didn't really grasp why he wanted to lick me i couldn't understand it and but i guess that was his way of Noticing that I was different from him Mm -hmm. and in, in the licking realizing that we were basically the same.
2: And what a beautiful moment that could have gone in a completely different Different. direction.
1: Exactly. Uh,
2: and I just, I, I applaud you for not just saying no.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He was three years old and for a three year old to want to lick me. It just made me curious because they'll want to put everything else in their mouth. But right. You know? Yeah. And, and I, I realized that, uh, in, in the household that, uh, that wasn't really spoken about and I, I was aware of it. So it was just really interesting in the way he brought it out. He introduced it. It was I never said anything about color or anything like that, but he noticed it and it was just in his little way of trying to understand it. Yeah. And it was a wonderful moment, oh. which I will never
2: forget. Thank you so much for sharing that. <laughs> yes, that's so beautiful. I love that. Thank you so much, Patsy. You're more than welcome. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. you. This has
0: been fun. I look forward to our next podcast.
2: Me too. I love <laughs> thank this. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Dr. Camp. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Chronicles of Narnia is partnered with Via the Village Via the Village has created a platform for families and nannies to come together to build your own personalized villages within your local community. Families can find other families near them for childcare exchanges, kitty carpools, play dates, or new neighborhood friendships. Nannies can find other nannies near them for play date meetups and also for backup when they need time off. And you can also find more support through. Via the Villages' shared blog and community forum. Check it out at via the viathevillage.com. V-I-A-T-H-E-V-I-L-L-A-G-E dot com. Check it out. Chronicles of Mania is produced and hosted by Martha Reddick. Artwork by Noni Amadon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudio.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nannia and on Twitter at Nannia Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnannia at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.
1: This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture.
2: Planning for your next trip?